Hi, my name's Shay. I am a mom of two. I have a four-year-old boy, a two-year-old girl, and I'm pregnant right now with baby boy number three due in just a few weeks. So if I sound out of breath, it's because I am all the time. I started Brightbox a year and a half ago. Brightbox is an easy, affordable way to brighten someone's day through Happy Mail. So um, I, I created Brightbox as just a way to be simply thoughtful. It's a way that you can help others feel remembered and loved. And it's been so neat to see the kinds of notes and love that people are willing to share with each other and how big of a difference that that can make in someone's life. So as I've tried to make service a big part of Brightbox and share simple ways to serve every day on stories and things, I, I have come up with three ways to make service a real part of your family. So my first takeaway with that is that children should plan it. Kids don't want to just be told what to do. And one way that you can engage them and help them really integrate service into part of their lives is to have them brainstorm with you. Um, the second takeaway take is that you should get service into your everyday conversation. So just making it a point of topic in the things that you talk about. Uh, you should tell your kids what you did that day and intentionally use the word served or helped with specific examples. The third takeaway is to make it fun. Kids love to have fun. It doesn't have to be a task that they hate to do. So um, finding things that are silly for them that also will brighten someone's day is a great thing to do with kids. Um, a few ideas that I came up with that is to cover friend's car and post-it notes. You can write dad a silly message on his mirror. Um, if you're into role play, acting out a funny play for a lonely neighbor, whatever you can do together that you all enjoy will bring your family close and make them want to serve more. So those are my three takeaways for teaching your kids to serve. And I'm so glad that Brightbox got the chance to partner with 3 and 30 to sponsor the birthday celebration I listen to 3 and 30 every single week and I love it so much. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited for today's episode. It's a compilation of 12 mothers, three takeaways from the My 3 and 30 birthday party. And I thought it was fitting to start the episode with the takeaways of Shay Workman, whose company Brightbox is sponsoring the birthday celebration. In the next week or two, I will be sending 60 women who shared their takeaways a bright box, which is a little custom care package that can be ordered quickly online and delivered just as quickly to a friend or family member who needs some happy mail. So I truly encourage you to go check out their website, brightboxes.shop, and use the code 3in30 at checkout for 10% off. And whether or not you receive a bright box from me, because I'm just going to do that as a random raffle. I want you to know how much I truly, truly appreciated reading and hearing your takeaways, all of you. It was the best birthday gift, seriously, I ever could have received. About 150 women participated through social media, 
And most of those women I had never met before in real life. And I loved getting to know them and hearing their wisdom. And about 25 people are planning to host takeaway parties all over the country. How cool is that? I just love this community that we're building. So as one final birthday treat, here are some really fun, insightful, and wise takeaways compiled together in this episode from mothers in the trenches who are just like you. And when you hear their wisdom, I know you're going to be tempted to grab a pen and just start scribbling madly trying to get down all of their ideas, but you don't have to do that, especially because I know many of you listen to this podcast while you're driving or doing dishes or going for a run. So you don't have to stop doing those things. This is what you can do instead. Go to my website, 3in30podcast.com forward slash takeaways and sign up to get my monthly email of all of the takeaways from the episodes that month because as a special birthday bonus this month, I'm also going to include a sheet with all of the takeaways from this episode. So from all 12 mothers and that email will go out this Friday, November 9th. So don't delay getting signed up. 3in30podcast.com forward slash takeaways. I really love those recap sheets. I think they're such a great tool to remember what you've learned. I know I have learned so much from the guests on the show this year. And I have learned so much from each of you. And it is my honor to bring some of the real mothers listening to 3in30 into your homes through this episode. So let's get this takeaways party started. Hello, I'm Jody, originally from Maryland, but living overseas right now. I'm the mother to four children. My three takeaways are how to make travel more enjoyable for families. My first takeaway is to use packing cubes. Packing cubes are small containers made from fabric that you can pack your clothes or other items into. If you travel frequently, I would recommend investing in some packing cubes. They have made a huge difference in our traveling. It's easy to keep track of each child's clothing and packing and unpacking is a cinch. Simply pull out the packing cube and put it in the dresser drawer. In our family, each person has their own color. Another idea that came from a friend of mine is rather than using it per person, using it per day. So you gather everyone's outfits for one day and put them in one cube. That way, if you're camping, you only need to grab one packing cube out of the car for the family rather than each family member. My second takeaway is to let your children pack their own personal backpack. Each child brings their own carry-on backpack even in the car. They can keep their blankets, stuffed animals, sketch pad, and any other items that are special to them in that backpack. It helps children feel more secure in new places. My third takeaway is to use audiobooks. When we go on road trips, we love downloading several audiobooks on overdrive and then listen to them on road trips. This is a great way to keep kids engaged and interested in those long car rides. We have had times when kids are begging to get back in the car just so we can listen to our audiobooks. Another idea is to use podcasts that relate to your kids' interests. There you have it, my three takeaways for making travel more enjoyable for families. Number one, use packing cubes to help organize luggage. Number two, let kids pack their own carry-on backpacks. And number three, listen to audiobooks on road trips. 
Hi, fellow 3 and 30 listeners. I'm Shaylin. I live in Colorado with my husband and two boys, ages 18 months and six and a half. My three takeaways are about throwing an insane birthday party without actually going insane. My first takeaway is to identify which part of your vision is for you and which part is for your kid. I don't know about your child, but mine would be thrilled with store-bought cupcakes and running around for two hours at the playground. He wants friends and treats. That's the bottom line. The rest, cute invites, a handmade cake, the punny food labels, that's all for me. And that's important because it means if he doesn't notice the decorations or he never makes it to the food table, it doesn't matter. I know he got the part that was for him. That takes the pressure off expecting him to have a certain experience. Because I spent 10 hours making a paper mache Death Star because I love making pinatas, not because I thought he needed it to be happy. Takeaway number two is to set a budget. I've heard a lot of moms at awesome birthday parties lamenting the cost. And I've seen frazzled moms who were up all night making homemade pizzas lamenting that they're just too tired to enjoy the party. Having a budget sets you free from overbuying or underbuying. Choose what to DIY and what to buy based on a number that fits your family. Takeaway number three is to play to your strengths. What are you good at? What do you have access to? Center your party around these things. My son's fifth and sixth parties were both extremely memorable and extremely different because of what we had available. When he turned five, his baby brother was five days old. I knew I wasn't going to be able to do anything except sit in a chair with the baby. So I asked my husband to rototill our dormant garden, and we set out a log and all my son's Tonka trucks. The strength here was literally a pile of dirt, and we could have based another theme around it, a crazy mud obstacle course or even maybe seal training. When he turned six, I wanted his party to be our goodbye party before our move two weeks later, so I went all out as my goodbye to our friends. My husband was a fencing coach in a previous part of his life, so he happily led Jedi Academy, teaching the kids to cut, thrust, and parry with pool noodle lightsabers. This could have been a pirate party or a Three Musketeers party just as easily. What are you good at? Did you coach your kid's soccer team? Are you great at tie-dye? Do you make awesome hot chocolate? Do you have a karaoke machine? Build your party around something that makes you feel capable and fit your theme to that strength. I hope this helps you throw awesome birthday parties that you can actually love being a part of. Parties should be fun for mom, too. Bye. Hey, my name is Mary Carly Mullen. I'm from Northern California, and I've got five kids ranging from 12 to 2. So I know a lot about the difficulties of raising small children. Their tantrums, refusing to leave the park, tough time at dinner time, running around the grocery store. We've all been there. One thing I've learned over the years is that stories have a magical power on the little ones. They just cannot resist the power of a story. So here, my three takeaways are how to use stories to manage young children. The first takeaway is if your kid is crying inconsolably, having just an all-out tantrum, don't try and talk them out of it. Just grab a book, go right down next to them, sit down, and start reading. As you begin your story, they will calm down. The cries will slowly wind down, and by the end of the book, you'll have a happy child engaged in the story and have totally forgotten about what they were crying about. My next takeaway has to do with bedtime, and this is one I use almost daily. Start bedtime with a book. Instead of saying, time for bed, which always has grown, lead out with, what book do you want to read tonight? So you grab your book, you sit down, start reading, and then pause. Hey, let's brush teeth. They'll run and brush their teeth and come back for more. And then you read a couple more pages, then pause for jammies, then on and on until you're done with all the things you'd like to do. So a great feeling when you're done with the stops and you can enjoy the rest of the book on top of the bed. Kiss them goodnight, and you're done. My last takeaway is if you're stuck in 
a line or a waiting room and you don't have a book on hand, you can make up a story. This one is hard because it, it's challenging to be creative when you're feeling stressed and overwhelmed with your kid, but it has great power. When you tell stories to the kids, they don't care what they're about. They just love that you were telling it. I often use a pattern of creating a character, giving them a dream, a problem, and then finally a resolution. I just go through that list with a letter in the alphabet and just bam, 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 uh, make up a crazy story, and the kids love it. So those are my three takeaways, and I challenge you to try them out and see the power of a story. Thanks. My name is Sarah. I live in Hawaii with my husband of 20 years and our 8-year-old homeschool daughter. To celebrate 3 and 30's first birthday, I wanted to share my three favorite fictional murders. Number one, Caroline Ingalls in the Little House series by Laura Ingalls Wilder. Ma is such an accomplished homemaker. She can churn butter, make head cheese, and maple candy from scratch. She pickles vegetables and sews dresses. But what inspires me most is her steadfastness. No matter what her circumstances, traveling in a covered wagon, living in a dugout house, or riding out the toughest winter ever, she never fails to do her duty. Ma is strong and kind, firm and loving, all that I want to be as a mother. Number two, Margaret March in Little Women by Louisa May Alcott. Marmy is a gracious woman who manages to be charitable despite her own family's meager circumstances. She manages to raise four daughters and mother each according to their very distinct personalities. But what inspires me most is that she manages to control her natural bend towards anger. I hope that someday, like Marmy, I can be better in charge of my emotions, too. Number three, Joe March in Little Men by Louisa May Alcott. Joe is lucky. She was raised by Marmy. But she becomes a wonderful mother, too not only to her own two sons, but to all the boys she educates at Plumfield Estate School. Jo is one of the best examples of what loving discipline should look like. Happy birthday, Rachel. You are one very real, inspiring mother. Aloha. This is Georgia Anderson. I live in Cottonwood Heights, Utah. I have four kids, three stepkids, seven kids-in-law, and 11 grandkids, and I adore all of them. My 3 and 30 topic takeaways are regarding how to raise a grown-up. So my first takeaway is to drop your agenda. When we kind of have a plan set in stone in our minds for how our children will perform, we are constantly going to be comparing them to our personal standards. And I think this puts us in a constant state of judgment and comparisons, which does not lend itself to empathy and connection. So drop your agenda. Number two, recognize that your children are separate from you. When our babies are born, of course, they're 100% dependent on us, and they wouldn't survive without us. But the deal is, our job is eventually to decrease that dependency by 100% and to move from a place of needing each other to enjoying each other. To me, that's the ultimate goal of parenting and one of the hardest things to do. And number three is to honor your own feelings. One of the ways we stay 
too involved with our babies and other family members is to sometimes we avoid feeling things ourselves. We either take on the emotions of other people or we project our buried feelings onto them, especially when we want to avoid or have really difficult feelings. But the, the key here, I think, is that to recognize that feelings are just feelings. We can embrace them and just coax them through the normal process of feelings, which is to be felt, and then they dissipate. And I think that really lifts us free to, or leaves us free to use our minds instead of our emotions to create a really happy life. So those are my three and thirties for how to raise a grown-up. This is Kalisha from Why I Mother. I live in Santa Barbara, California. And my three takeaways are how to stay grounded in purpose, even with three kids under three. So my first takeaway is to explore the past. We are not alone. There is so much to learn from and so much strength to be received from women of your own personal history and just women throughout history in general. Looking at a painting of a mom running after a child that was created hundreds of years ago reminds me that we share more than we think. My second takeaway is to esteem the present. I'm always telling my mom that I didn't get anything done today, and she reminds me that I'm not giving myself credit for what I'm truly doing. I get kids up and dressed. I feed them nutritious meals. I make sure that their minds are challenged. I teach social skills, organize, clean, and I have a tendency to just call it life. But honestly, I'm doing a lot of big things every day. And I need to appropriately value and appreciate what I'm doing on a daily basis. My third takeaway is to envision the future. The work I am doing today has such far-reaching effects that are hard to fathom without sitting down and getting some real perspective. I'm giving my kids a body. I'm giving them life skills. I'm creating an environment of love. Years from now, my choices will ripple through the lives of more people than I can grasp. My work is hard and monotonous and significant. So think about the future when the days are hard in today. So to recap, my three takeaways are to explore the past, esteem the present, and envision the future. Hi, my name is Joy, and I live in Indiana with my husband and four children. The three takeaways I would like to share with other moms cover how to get your kids to participate in the deep cleaning of your home. We moved to a new home about two years ago, and I was feeling overwhelmed with keeping it clean, and not surfacey clean, but the deep cleaning. So after a lot of research, trial and error, here are the three main takeaways I have about empowering your children to participate in the deep cleaning of your home. Number one, be clear about what they need to be doing every single time. So you can walk through, write out, or verbally tell them all the steps that you want them to do. And for best results, go over them every single time. Because big chores with a lot of steps can be overwhelming for little people. And even older kids can have a hard time remembering all the steps of cleaning a bathroom, for example. So rather than saying, go clean the bathroom, say, go wipe the sink, then wipe the countertop, then clean the toilet, etc. Number two, Pick cleaning products that are safe and easy for kids to use unattended. This was one of my biggest stumbling blocks when involving my kids in household chores because I didn't want my five-year-old walking through the house with a spray bottle full of bleach. So I spent countless hours researching safe cleaning products. I love microfiber cloths because all the kids need to do is wet the cloth and they're good to go. But whatever you choose, 
make sure you set it out or keep it in a place where they know where to find it when it's time to do the chores. Number three, do your part. This includes managing your expectations as well as making sure that you are periodically rotating through each one of the chores yourself. If you're rotating through different chores along with your kids each week, you will be able to ensure that if steps have been missed here and there, that nothing gets too dirty for your kids to be able to clean it on their own next time. Along with that, managing your expectations, making sure that what you're asking your kids to do can actually be accomplished. For example, don't send your six-year-old to go clean a staircase that hasn't been vacuumed or wiped down in a month and expect them to be able to manage that chore on their own. So if you do your part, it will help everyone be successful. Lastly, Rachel asked me to talk about the chore guides that I have available on my website, regularpoolmom.com. Back when I was trying to figure out how to have my kids be able to help me with the more involved chores in our home, I created the chore guides to help them and me. I wrote all the steps of the chores down around the house, and then I took pictures of my kids doing them. So every household chore has its own guide that details all the steps with pictures required for that chore. I give each one of my children a pile of guides on chore day, and then they have all the steps in front of them as they work on the chore. This helps eliminate the micromanagement aspect of making sure that all the chores get done every time. With multiple children doing multiple chores each week, this has been a huge help for me and others who use the guides. So if you're interested in checking out the guides, go to regularcoolmom.com and click on chore guides. Thanks. Bye. Hi, this is Kristen. I am a mom to two little boys. They're 5 and 18 months. And the three of us tag along on my husband's business trips when he goes out of town. And usually that means that we are stranded while he's working. And I have a lot of fun finding affordable activities to do to keep us entertained. And so I'm so excited to share my three takeaways on keeping it together while traveling with young kids. My first takeaway is to accept that traveling with kids is much different than traveling without kids. It's definitely not a stress-free, relaxing vacation experience. But despite all that, it can be so much fun. And once I realized that and changed my expectations, I've had so much fun with my kids visiting different cities. My second takeaway is to keep things simple. You don't need as much stuff, you don't need to plan as many activities, and you don't need to spend as much money as you think you do to have a lot of fun and do some really neat things. And my final takeaway is to do your best to stick to a flexible version of the routines that you follow at home as far as like meal times and nap times and bedtimes to help your kids have their greatest chance of success while you are away from home. Thank you so much, and happy birthday to 3 and 30. I love the podcast. Hi, Rachel. My name is Lindsay, and I have four kids, but really it only takes one to become overwhelmed and stressed or both, and so I'm sharing three takeaways that help me to not feel so stressed, to feel more like peaceful and calm and and as a bonus these actually help me to accomplish my goals. So, number 1 is to create and use a vision board. Number 2 to create and read or listen to daily positive affirmations. These are for ourselves and also create daily affirmations that are that are personal and individual for each of our kids. And number 3 is to have an executive planning meeting this is without the kids, to reflect, make goals, and plan for your family. And if you're married, you would do this with your husband. So taking 
taking the time to do these things has made a huge difference in my sanity. And I said before, I have four kids. They are four kids born in just under five and a half years. So any alone time was pretty much non-existent for the longest time. And I wish I would have known about these three tools back when I'd started. Hi, my name is Shawnee. I live in Twin Falls, Idaho. I have three kids, ages seven, four, and one. And my takeaways are about utilizing the community you live in to enhance your time as a family. My first takeaway is to search out activities in your community and don't talk yourself out of going because it's really easy to do that. Once you find some great activities, my second takeaway is to make sure you have reasonable expectations of how things are going to go, how your family is going to act, how your kids are going to behave, what the activity will actually be like, um, and look for what is wonderful about the activity that you've attended. And the third takeaway is to not allow yourself to stay home even though it's easier. It's hard to go out and get around town with with little kids, and I know that better than anyone. Um, but it's great to take advantage of the community events that are offered because it really allows you as a family to experience other things together and to utilize what wonderful communities have that they're doing, and a lot of them are free. And so I encourage you to get out there with your family, and if an event isn't something you love, then Cut that one out and try something new, but don't let it dampen your enthusiasm. Get out there and spend some quality time together. Hi, my name is Taffy. I live in Fort Bridger, Wyoming. I'm the mother of five kids. I have three boys and two girls, and I also have started a project with my sister-in-law called the Joyful Soul Project. We work with women to create a happy mind and a healthy body. One of the biggest hang-ups for women creating their healthy body is that they have a really poor body image. And as I talk to these women, what I've found is that their body image issues go back to um, messages and things that they started believing about themselves when they were kids. And so for my 3 and 30, I want to share three ways to help foster positive body image in your kids. So takeaway number one is to model it. As mothers, we sometimes don't realize how much our kids are watching us, but they always are. Don't talk negatively about your body. It really just has no upside. And what we do is really far more important than what we say. If we're on a constant quest to fix our bodies, our kids are going to catch on. So do the work that it takes to create a body uh, or a positive relationship with your own body first and foremost. Takeaway number two is to be careful with your compliments. Now, it really isn't harmful to sometimes say, oh, you're so handsome or you're so pretty, you look so good today, but try to steer clear of only complimenting them on their appearance or doing it a lot. Instead, notice and praise the things that they're actually working for, like things that they can do because they have a body and maybe uh, characteristics, character traits that they're developing. So this helps them to focus less on appearance and more on just living an amazing life. And my third takeaway is to talk often about how amazing our bodies are and then care for them like precious gifts. So mention often that you're grateful for your body and all that it can do. Do active things as a family and pay attention to all the incredible ways your body can move. And when you talk about food, mention all the ways that food nourishes us and steer clear of the food makes us fat kind of talk. Model and teach a healthy lifestyle 
as an act of gratitude for the gifts that our bodies are. Hi, my name is Shemaine. I live in Utah. I have five kids, and I had all five in five years. I wanted to share the three takeaways that I have learned from listening to 3 and 30 podcasts over the last year. The first one, which has been absolutely life-changing for me, was from Marilyn Faulkner. My children's behavior is not a reflection of me. And that whole paradigm shift in my brain has helped me to relax with what my children are doing because they are just kids. The second takeaway is from Katie Penry about my phone and putting my phone down. And I did really well for a while, and then I got bad again with having to look at my phone and check it out of habit more than anything. And so when I did a 10-day social media fast, I found that I was able to connect with my children. I was able to read more and really fill my soul with goodness, which I hadn't done before. And now that I'm back on social media, I don't scroll mindlessly through. I get on with a purpose. And I learned that with Katie. If I'm from Katie Penry's episode when she said, tell your kids when you're getting on, hey, mama's getting on for just a minute because I'm looking for such and such. And that way it helps to remind me not to just scroll. The third takeaway that I have learned and applied in my life from the podcast was from Tony Overbay. I have my middle child. She's a girl and she, oh, she's difficult. And his ideas that I just notice and comment on my children when I see them doing anything. It doesn't have to be good. It doesn't have to be bad. I just comment just when I see her. And by doing that, our temper tantrums have certainly lessened. And I feel a love for her that I hadn't felt in for quite a while. I'm just grateful for Rachel and all that she is doing for all of us to become better mothers and I think even more importantly, to enjoy motherhood. Thanks. Bye. I really have nothing to add to these remarkable mothers' takeaways. If you want a copy of all of their wisdom, don't forget to go to 3in30podcast.com forward slash takeaways and look for that email on Friday. Check your junk box and your promotions tab. And I hope that you have a fantastic week with your family.